Thank you, Becky. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Genesis chapter 2. We're beginning a series over the next four weeks as we do our meat giveaway. Where's the beef? Does anybody remember that commercial? I love that commercial, that little old lady. We might need to find that, Tim, and play that during this time. She opened it up and they had this bun as big as your head. And in the side, in the middle of it, about the size of a pickle, was this hamburger. And she'd go, where's the beef? You know, anyway, it was back in the 80s. Everything was funnier back then, so... Anyway, all right, let's all stand in honor of God's word. We're going to begin reading in verse 15 of Genesis chapter 2. Let's read this together. This is my Bible, the living word of God. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. I can do what it says I can do. This word is the truth. It never changes and can never be destroyed. Right now, my mind is alert. My heart is open. I'm about to receive a life-changing experience. I will never be the same in Jesus' name. I've I, I got to be honest with you. As I read this this week, I noticed something that I had never noticed before. In our membership class, we've been studying about sin and the first sin and things like that. And I read this, and it, it didn't dawn on me till this week what it says here. So I want us to, to read this this morning. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and care for it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you, not, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. The Lord God said, It's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So I want you to understand two things. God spoke and told Adam what... The sin, what sin would look like and what, and what he expected of him. But I also want you to notice that woman has not been created yet. And I had never noticed that. God has entrusted the man to speak God's command into her life. It's up to him. It's his job. And so let's uh, pray this morning. Father, I pray that you would have your way today, that you would speak through your scripture. I pray that you would challenge our hearts, especially as fathers and husbands today, to be the men that you've called us to be. Help us not to, to shirk back and to, and to lay back and not do the things you've called us to do. And Father, help us to do it with great fervor and zeal. And we ask these things today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're talking today about things that are essential. And uh, in this series, literally, we called it "Where's the Beef?" the the things that 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 are that you need to have. And and I don't know about you, and you may not be this way, but I'm this way. When I get ready to have a meal, and I ask, "What are we having?" I am asking, "What kind of meat is there going to be in the meal?" You know, if my wife, if I say, "What are we having?" and she goes, "Oh, we're going to have corn." I don't care. Or, oh, we're going to have, we're going to have peas and, and potatoes. And if she starts on that end of the meal, I am not listening to a word she's saying. Now, if she says green beans, that might get my interest up a little bit as long as they are green beans fixed in the proper way, which is one part bacon, one part green beans. Then I'd be interested. But I'm telling you, really, the only thing that interests me about green beans is bacon. I mean, that's really, I mean, is there any, I think, uh, I think it was, uh, oh, 
I can't, her, the name has left me. But she had some little kids come over to her house, and, and, she, and she always put bacon grease in the green beans. And then when they went home, their mom didn't put bacon grease in the green beans. She, was, she should have been stoned, that woman. No, no. But anyway, her kids goes, well, how come what's her names? Green beans are so much better than yours, mom. And, you know, as a mom, you don't want to hear that. But it's because she put bacon in them because green beans were made for bacon. But anyway, so, so we want to know where is the meat the main part, the important part, the, the essentials. And so we're going to be talking about some things over the next few weeks that are the essentials, that, that, are, that, are, uh, that are the things that are really important. I want, to, I want to know, I mean, if you look at me, you'll say that, that I was against salad. I'm not against salad, you know. And you, and you probably say, you've never been, Pastor, I can look at you. You've never been to a salad bar. I just nearly always go, if there's a salad bar, I usually go up and look at it. I look at it. But I never start up on the, my wife, she's always like, well, I need to look and see if that lettuce is good. That lettuce needs to be good and fresh. And, you know, and, and, you know, if it's, if it, I don't care if it's got brown on it or, I mean, I I never look at the lettuce. I don't care about the lettuce. I always go to the far end down there by the dressings. I want to see what kind of dressing they've got. And if they have lots of cheese and if they have lots of eggs and if they've got that cubed ham and the bacon bits. I mean, that's all. If they, got any, if they don't have any of that, I'm out. And, and you, if you look, and, and the way that people advertise, have you ever, you ever watched them advertise salad? You ever watch restaurants advertise salad? They never say Caesar salad with grilled chicken. How do they do it? Grilled chicken, Caesar salad. If you see pictures, if you go to the McDonald's over here and you look at the pictures of their salads, what do you see? Meat all over the top, and then you maybe see a little green underneath. Because what do we care about? We care about the meat, the essentials. And so today we're going to be talking about uh, meat. This morning we got, uh, we're going to give away some, some meat, the things that are essential to life, things that will make you thrive. We seek for God to come and work in your life. God seeks for our lives to thrive. He seeks for us to, he gives us the instructions that we need because he wants us to thrive. And God said to man, you can do these things. And if you live the way that I have for you to live, and he sets Adam in there and he says, if you do this garden thing, the way that I have for you to do, you're going to thrive. As long as you follow what I say, as long as you follow the essential things that I'm telling you, you're going to thrive. And so if we want to see the life of someone thriving, we're going to have to go all the way back to before the fall. Because after the fall, everything is just a continuous downhill. But before the fall, we see man and woman, both of them doing the things that God would have them to do, and we see them there thriving. You don't see before the fall, you don't see uh, them fighting and carrying on and things like this. We don't see any murder before the fall. We don't hear of those things. We see man in his, in his, in his, at his best thriving. He has, uh, you see him, he's, he's in this right relationship with the animals and everything like that. And I, what happens is, And I don't know if he just decided to or or what happened. But all of a sudden, man quit doing what God said. And the essentials are we have to do 
what God says. And we, we talked a few months back, we talked about the first sin and when, and when, and when Adam fell and Eve fell. And, and the first thing that caused them into this problem is Satan enters a question. And the question is, did God really say? Did God really say? And in order for us to really understand, one of the number one essentials is, if God said it, then it is so. And I have to believe this. If I'm ever going to thrive and be what God has called me to be, and this morning I'm speaking mostly to fathers and dads, if I'm ever going to be the dad and the father and the husband or the man that God has called me to be, I have to listen to God, and I have to pattern everything after what he says. And we see here, when Satan says this, did God really say, everyone is in agreement. God is in agreement, uh, Moses. Adam is in agreement, Satan is in agreement, that if God really says it, it really is the way it should be. Now, Satan is out to get you not to do what God says, but he says in this, if God really says it, then it's so. But the question is, did God really say that? And so we have to understand that if God really says it, then we have to do it, and we, and we have to do it with all the zeal that is in, in us. And we have to understand that when God says something, that it is either sin or it isn't sin. And we have to understand that when God speaks on a subject, that it is true. We always, uh, in the world we live in, people say, why does God get to decide? Why shouldn't I get to decide? How come I don't get to decide what is right and wrong? A couple of weeks ago, we... we uh, watched a video and, and people were talking about, well, it makes me happy. This makes me happy. And so if it makes me happy, then it must be okay. Happiness is not the gauge of morality. Lots of things make people happy. There's that, that guy down in Charlotte this week or this middle of this week, he got some kind of pleasure out of killing nine people. And, and, if, and if happy is the gauge of morality, all he would have to say is, you know, it makes me happy to shoot people, so it cannot be, go- I cannot be wrong. God is a God of love, and God loves me, and God wants me to be happy, and it makes me happy to shoot people, and so therefore, it must be right. That is not the gauge of morality. The gauge of morality is what does God say is moral and what does God say is not moral. And so we have to always go back. The essentials are what does God say? The essentials are that God determines what sin is. God determines what is right. God determines what is wrong. God determines everything. And so we see here in this story that God has decided he's created man and then he created woman. And we see, and we've talked about this, we see in the man, we see certain, uh, certain aspects of God, the provider, the protector, the one who is to love and care for the wife. And the wife, she is the nurturer, she is the communicator, she is the detail person. But only together in marriage do we see the whole image of God. And so God says, I put these together, and only in marriage do I see the full image of God. And each one of us has a part in that. And this morning we're going to talk about what the man's part is in this. And so uh, his part is to love and to serve and protect. And we see in here before a woman is ever created that God gives Adam this command. And he says, there's all this stuff that you can do. You You can have anything you want in the garden, but there's one tree in the middle and you can't eat from that tree. You're not even supposed to touch it, he says. 
And so the job of making sure that the family knows what God's commands are, and it doesn't say anywhere else in here that God gave that commandment to anybody else. It doesn't say that God spoke that to Eve. It says that God spoke that to Adam. And then, therefore, it was up to Adam to make sure that everybody that came after him understood this tree in the middle, we're not supposed to eat from it. It was Adam's job to make sure that when Eve came along that he would say, okay, this is a tree. We don't eat this fruit. We don't touch this fruit. And he is, it is his job to sell that and to make sure that she understands that to the point that she doesn't want anything to do with it. You understand? That's man's job. That's the, that was Adam's job. He had, he had one job. He had one job. And men... The God who determines everything and everything has entrusted us, has entrusted us with carrying out his divine commands and making sure that those that come after us understand that. God has called us as men to love and protect. And part of protecting our family is to make sure they know what God says about things. Now, can the woman do it? Yes, she can. But God has really, and we see it here in Scripture, God has called men. This is not demeaning or making her less or anything like that. We just have different jobs. And it is our job as men to say, this is what thus saith the Lord. And not only are we just supposed supposed to speak it, we are supposed to speak it with such zeal that they believe it. I don't think Adam was a very good salesman. I don't think he had a whole lot of, you know, we don't need to be around this thing at all. I think he spoke it, but I don't see it lived out in his life. And that's a whole other subject. But, ever, but like everything else, and, and we've talked about that, that men are supposed to, to love and protect and serve their wives But like everything else, it's been defined, been redefined, the role of man. And and men aren't supposed to say anything or do anything anymore. and, and, And it's just been messed up. And we see here that there is this thing in us, men, that we have to guard ourselves in. And the and the thing we have to guard ourselves in is quitting. Adam quit. Adam quit protecting. Adam quit telling his wife, you're not supposed to do this. Adam quit taking the role that he was supposed to take. And men, we have to understand that this is in us. And we have to be very mindful of that. And we have to say, I know that this is in me, and I know that, that when things get hard, that there might be this within me that would say, okay, I just don't want to play anymore. Let's go do something else. But we have to be what God has called us to be. And we are called not to quit, but we are called to endeavor. I don't know if you've noticed. I, I started reading through the Bible. And you know the only problem that the Bible says that, that, that we are to deal with and to help and come alongside? It never, ever once mentions in the Bible to come alongside and help the motherless. It says to help the orphans, it says to help the widows, and it says to help the fatherless. Never once 
in the Bible, I don't think, I couldn't find it, does it say, help the motherless? If you, if you did, a, uh, did a search about news and about what the con- people think is wrong with our country, what do they usually say? A lack of father leadership. Fatherless children are the problem. Never do you hear a news story that goes, well, motherless children are the problem. You know why? Because mothers don't ever quit. All right? Now, I'm, I'm not, that's a big, broad statement, and I know that there are things that don't always line up with that. But as a big, broad hole, and all the women are going. <laughs> but it's, it's the truth, okay? If we can't say the truth in church, then th- we're lost. But that's the deal. Most of the time, it's the fathers that quit. And I'm not beating you over the head because I don't think that's the, the story here. But I'm talking about as an overall thing, generally, the fathers just walk away. And who generally gets the kids? The mothers. And that was, it's, it, and it's not something brand new. This is the way it's been. This is, if you go back into Deuteronomy and Leviticus, it talks about this. And there are things that says, boy, you better take care of the fatherless. Why? Because the fathers leave. They're not supposed to, but they do. It's just the way that it is. And it's not giving you an excuse or anything like that. But there is something. After the fall, there is something in us that as fathers, we say, I don't want to mess with it anymore. And we have to know that and we have to guard ourselves for that. So much so that in the Bible, it it says that the fatherless, the orphan, the widow, it never says motherless. Because that's not in you. Mothers don't quit. Now, if you're a father and you feel like I'm beating up on you today, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be that way. But I want to tell you how it is. And we are, and God is, God has given us a, given us a job and given us a, a calling. And so, I want to tell you just a little bit about what I think happened in here. God had entrusted Adam. He, he is the lover. He is the, he is the server. He is the protector. He gives Adam the command, and he says, this is a tree, and you don't eat from this tree. And he doesn't tell that to woman because he has entrusted man that he's going to tell the woman. Adam's going to tell the woman. Adam's going to tell the kids. Adam's going to be the one that says, this is what God has spoken. It is entrusted to the man to pass what God has said down into the family. And I think maybe he should have pushed that a little more in his family. I I have lots of questions as I read this. First of all, if, if Adam is the lover, the protector, the provider, and, and, and I'm especially going to talk about the protector, how did that snake ever get in there? The snake should have never... Adam should have done something with the snake. Adam should have been protecting his wife. As soon as that thing said... Did God really say he should have fetched him a hoe and decapitated him, whatever he was? He should have. Because he's coming in and saying, did God really say? He should have said, okay, I've had enough out of this thing. I don't know what it is, but I don't want to listen to another word he says. Man, that's the way we should be. As soon as something comes in our house and says, does God really say? We need to click it and turn it off. 
or get rid of it. But Adam, and it says that Adam's there, and it aggravates me to death. Adam is there. The serpent is talking. They are somewhere within close proximity of this tree. What in the world are they doing anywhere near this tree? I was thinking this week as I was reading this, and I was thinking of Kale Ivy. And I was thinking, if God's, Kale, if you had a, something in your pasture that you knew would kill one of your cows, what would you do? If you had a tree, I, I just imagine, okay, God comes and says, all right, there's a tree here, and if you eat it, you're going to die. And I just pictured Kale. He just came to my mind. I pictured Kale going, reckon I'll be cutting that down then. I'm going to get rid of it. And I thought, why didn't Adam get rid of the stinking tree? Why didn't he? If, if, if we had something in our pasture that we didn't want our cows to get around, we'd put a big old fence around it because we didn't want anything to get near it. My dad had trees that, that he didn't want the cows to get to, and so he built a fence around them. If you had a tree that you knew was going to kill your cows, you would cut it down. If I had a tree in my yard, in my, at my house, over there on Walnut Street, that I knew that science proved that if your little kids get over there and mess with it, my little grandkids are going to die, do you think for one minute I would have that tree and I'd just say, oh, no, you guys just kind of stay away from the tree, you know, you know. Kids are dumb. They're gonna, you could say, okay, that tree is going to kill you dead. And they'd be like, I want to see I mean, that's what they do. That's what kids do. Why didn't Adam get rid of it? And there may, maybe there's some sort of theological something I don't understand. And that's because that's, I'm a simpleton. But in my mind, why don't we remove the things that bring temptation into our lives? Why didn't Adam say, okay, if this thing is going to cause trouble, if this thing is the very thing that can cause the end of all of mankind, if this is the thing that's going to cause me and my wife to die, I'm getting rid of it. And then there's no more problem. If he'd have had an 028 steel, the whole Bible would have been different, I think. I think. And it's done. But instead, Adam is there. He's letting this thing bring this ungodly language into his home. Did God really say? He let him bring that into his house. And they're somewhere close to this tree because it says that they was able to pick it. Adam should have been standing up, yelling and screaming, throwing a holy righteous fit and saying, you ain't touching that. You ain't eating that. We're not going near that. We're getting rid of this thing. I don't want to listen to him anymore. He's gone. But Adam just kind of sits back and watches. And man, I'm telling you, this is what has happened in our country. 
This is what has happened in our culture. We, we come and we hear what God says about things, but when we go home, when we're actually in the garden, when we're in that place, we hear what the Word says, and the Word says, these things are things that can cause and bring danger and bring death into your family. These things that are, can cause things to blow up and your family to end and things like that. And we hear it, but when it comes down to time to saying, hey, I'm not going to have any part of it, I'm afraid too often, men, and we can see that it's true throughout culture, I think too often we just kind of hang back and kind of see what's going to happen. I tell you what, I, I was talking about this in Sunday school. I read this, and it makes me so mad. It just makes me mad. And I don't know if this is true, and I, and I could be dead wrong on this. And, and if you say, Pastor, you're wrong on this, you could be right. You could be absolutely right. And I wouldn't argue with you because I don't know. But I mean, if you look at it just the way it is, it's almost like he's just stepping back and saying, I wonder if this is really going to happen. He is, let, he is letting eat. God has said, don't touch it, don't eat it, don't do anything with it. And it's almost like Adam's saying, I'm going to see if that really happens. Eve, you go ahead. And I'm just going to watch. And if that is true, and I hope that it's not, but if that is true, that is the sickest thing I've ever seen in my life. And I think sometimes as men throughout history and, and in our culture today, we just kind of sit back and say, oh, I know this is what they say, and, 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 and they say we ought to be stronger on this, and, and we shouldn't let, you know, these kinds of things in our house, and we should let our, you know, we shouldn't let our children do these things and stuff like that. But I'll just, I'll just kind of sit back and watch and see what happens. That is the sickest thing ever. And I have heard this all my life. And people say, oh, well, you know, you know, I know they shouldn't, we shouldn't let our kids be involved in this stuff like that, but you know, kids will be kids. (laughs) Yeah, leave a kid up to his own devices, he'll die. You know why? Because they're kids, and they don't know anything. They don't know anything. God put us in their life to teach them stuff. And instead, we have a generation that has just kind of sat back and said, oh, maybe that won't happen. That is sick. And this morning, men, God has called us as men to step up and, and, and to speak God's commandments into their lives. Adam was the first man, and he entrusted the man of the house to say, this is what God says. Thus saith the Lord. Men, your number one essential thing is to have a really, really good understanding about what this says. This is your job. That's your job. That's not her job. Does she need to know? Yes, absolutely. But it's your job to know what this says. It's your job to come into the family and say, this is what God says about this and this and this and this. And then not just say it, but to live it. Adam said it. Eve knew what he said. But when it came down to action time, he just kind of stepped back. He wasn't doing anything. 
We talked about, I was talking to Ryan Huff this morning in, in Sunday school t- class. We were talking about at men's encounter. And, and I'm just telling you, this is the way it is. This is what I've heard. I've heard and, and, and Ryan agreed with me. Me and Eric have talked about this. You go to men's encounter and people will talk about their testimony and what has happened over their life. And time and time and time again, and correct me, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, men will stand up and say, when I was a kid, I went to church. And we went to church on Sunday morning, and it was part of our life, but it was not our life. It was something we did. It was something that dad said, oh, no, you ought to go to church. That would be good, and that will help us out a lot. But then that was it. And it was something they did. Am I right, Eric? I mean, I, 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 this is what I heard when I was there. And so, so there is men that are, that are saying, oh, yeah, you ought to do this, you ought to do this. And, but if it's not lived out, if you say it, and then don't live it, then this is what happens. And men, we are called to say and be the leaders of our family, say this is what God says about this and this and this. And then when this and this and this come into our home, we better get in the fight. When, when something comes and speaks into our home and says, did God really say? When you hear on your TV, did God really say? When your kids are on their phones or on their internet, did God really say? Or if there's something that is sneaking in your home through your computer or through the phones or through whatever or through friends or acquaintances or whatever, if it comes filtering into your home, men, you are the first defense. You are. I didn't get very many amens on that. But that's the truth. It's the truth. You're the first defense. But I think too often, we just kind of sit back. We're worried about making a living. Man, that's, that's not a bad thing to be worried about. God's called us because we're the provider too, aren't we? We're the provider, we're the protector. We're this lover and the server of the wife, and, and all those things are part of who we are, but we have to make sure that we don't put one up ahead of the other to where we're so involved, and this is how we work because it's, it's in us. We're so involved in the providing that we, prefer, that we forget about protecting. Or so we're so involved in the providing that we forget about the serving of our wife. We're so involved in the providing that we forget about loving our wives and our kids. And all those things are good attributes of God, but if they get out of whack, it messes everything up. And God has called us to be all of these things. And you say, well, I can't be all those things. Not by yourself. Not by yourself, you can't. But with God's power, you can. You can do this. We sat, we sat in here yesterday and had a, had a wedding now listen to Jack pray this morning over his grandkids. And Jack goes, you know, if you get kids started in church and keep them in church and keep their hearts soft, they follow God. He had a boy named Jimmy that did that. Jimmy had a boy named Mitch that did that. We watched him all the way through. Our culture screams at us and says, you can't do that. 
You can't do that. Kids aren't going to follow God all their life. They, they might follow him for a little while, and then they'll fall away, and then they'll have sex before marriage, and then they'll do this. In, in our culture today, the idea of staying pure before marriage is completely gone. But the Word says you can do it. Jack thinks you can do it. I think you can do it. And it's nice every now and then on a Saturday afternoon to stand up and say, you know, this still works. It still works. And it still does. It still works every time it's tried. Every single time it's tried. And it's done by the way God says it it works. Every time. Men, God has called us to be the lover, to be the server, to be the provider, and especially the protector of our homes. How are you doing on that today? I want us to stand this morning. I always beat down on the dads and praise the moms. That's what we do. That's what pastors do. And I don't, I don't mean to do that today. That is not the goal of my heart. But when I see this story, it looks, it is the same thing that is happening in our culture today. It's exactly the same. It's a failure of a man to be what God has called him to be. To not step in and protect where there needs to be protected. To not have the zeal that God has called him to have for his family. And, and this morning, I just, I'm not here to embarrass anybody or here to, to be mean to anybody or anything like that. Jimmy, I want you to come, Lance. But maybe this morning you just be honest and say, you know, Pastor, I haven't protected my family the way that I should. I don't love my wife the way that I should or anything like that. Or maybe you're just saying, you know, I just want to be better at this than what I'm doing. Maybe you need to pray this morning. I'm, we're not going to tarry long. You say, Pastor, what would people think if I, if I went down there this morning? think that you want to get in the fight and be part of the solution. Nobody cares. We rejoice. Somebody else is saying, hey, I want to do what God has called me to do. We're just going to sing for a moment. Probably just going to sing one verse this morning. If there's any men or anybody that needs to pray this morning, come and praise as we sing.